Good day and God bless all of you, wherever you're at and however you're accessing today's program. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of From Here to Eternity, a program dedicated to searching the wisdom of God as we look for directions and guideposts on our way to eternal life. In, during this Lenten season, we are using the Sunday Gospels in our effort to find God's wisdom as we attempt to get from here to eternity. You know, in the first Sunday of Lent, we heard the story of the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, and we learned about some of the weapons that Satan uses in his attempt to steal us away from the love of God. In the second week of Lent, we heard the story of the transfiguration of Jesus, and God told us one of the ways that we can resist those temptations of Satan when he said to us, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In the third week of Lent, we heard the story of the woman at the well, and we learned about the power of the sacrament of reconciliation. This week, we take a look at the story of the man born blind. In the story of the man born blind, Jesus boldly claims that I am the light of the world. What exactly does that mean? It means that Jesus, the man who walked the earth some 2,000 years ago, was also present at the foundation of our world. The very first thing God did when he created this universe out of chaos was to say, let there be light. When God willed that order should be brought out of chaos, it was by first banishing the darkness, banishing sin from his creation. What is the light of the world that banishes sin and darkness? Well, it is Jesus Christ, our Savior. The story of the man born blind is meant to remind us that we are all born in darkness, born blind with original sin, which darkens our intellect and weakens our will. It is why we struggle to see the deepest truths and why it is so difficult for us to avoid our tendency towards sin. It also reminds us that there are many who refuse to see the light and embrace the truth. Like the righteous neighbors of the man born blind who remain in their ignorance. They said, isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Someone said, it is. But others said, no, he just looks like him. They represent people who are uninterested in the truth who don't care or desire to devote any time or effort to discovering the truth. Or his parents, who are afraid to take a risk. They said he is of age, he can speak for himself. This is because they were afraid of the Jews. They represent those who know the truth, but fear the consequences, both internal and external, that, they may, that may result if they accept and proclaim it or the Pharisees, the educated, who cannot make up their collective minds and refuse to believe. It says, and there was division among them. We know this man is a sinner. 
They represent those who are so in love with their own opinion and believe science and reason are the be-all and end-all of human existence that they ignore the facts, even if it means they might have, only because it means they might have to admit that they are wrong. Our journey of discipleship is the path to let go of these lies that separate us from God, and it is the way to lead others down that same path. Let Help them to let go of whatever fears and lies are preventing them from doing the same. The man born blind represents us all. We are all born in darkness, and we must wash away the darkness from our eyes in the pool of baptism. Now, we may say, well, good news, I've been baptized. I no longer live in sin and darkness. And that is true. But what is also true, what we also know, is that just like Adam and Eve, who were born in complete communion with God, we are free to turn away from the light and allow the darkness to enter once again into our life. If we have fallen into this state of darkness, the first thing that we must do if we are to progress in the spiritual journey is banish the darkness once again. How does Jesus tell us to do that? By seeking forgiveness for our sin that caused us to turn away from the light. Now that was the subject of the woman at the well last week. And for this reason, we what we saw was a focus on the ways that we grow into a mature faith life. The first is trust. You know, at no time in the story of the man born blind does Jesus promise the man a miracle. In fact, what he does might be considered ridiculing or demeaning him. He spits on the ground, makes clay and smears it on the blind man's face, and then he says, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. With what would have been no small effort, the blind man does in fact make his way to the pool. He obeys Jesus, even though he's been promised nothing. And what happens, as we know, is he's restored. For the first time in his life, he can truly see. The second thing is, of course, an openness to discovery. When something wonderful happens to us, we may not be sure how it happened or who is responsible. And we may not be sure what to do in response to what has happened or how or why we should do it. The dialogue with the Pharisees shows that the man born blind slowly learns about what has happened and who is responsible. It says, how were your eyes opened? He said, the man called Jesus, made clay and anointed my eyes. What do you have to say about him since he opened your eyes? He is a prophet. What did he do to you? I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples also? We do not know where this one is from. That is what is so amazing, that you, the highly educated, the religious leaders do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. If this man were not from God, he would not have been able to do anything. So the man born blind goes from describing Jesus as a man to describing him as a prophet 
to declaring himself as a disciple of Jesus, to stating he is obviously from God. Now, the final stage in our discipleship is making a conscious decision to then follow Jesus as an obedient disciple, to reorder our life accordingly. Jesus says to the man born blind, you have seen him and the one speaking with you is he. To which he responded, I do believe, Lord, and he worshiped him. So how do we deepen our commitment, strengthen our resolve to continue to move forward on this journey from here to eternity? Well, I think it begins with the truth. Just prior to the story of the man born blind, Jesus is teaching in the temple when he says, if you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The way we continue to progress is to know and obey the truth. When we hear the exchange between the man born blind and the Pharisees, we see a great lesson about the courage that is often required if we are going to stand up for the truth. The man born blind is speaking in front of an audience of the wealthiest, the most educated, the most powerful people in the land. These are the people that will condemn Jesus to death. The man born blind stands before the high and mighty and simply speaks the truth, regardless of what the consequences for doing so might be. The reaction to his words show us both the methods used to attack the truth and the proper Christian defense when we are under attack. The enemies of the truth attack in two ways. First, they show contempt and ridicule. It says they ridiculed the man born blind. And then they use threats in an, or, or in an attempt to coerce us. His parents refused to testify because they were afraid that they would be expelled from the synagogue. The ruling elites throughout human history have always shown contempt for men who do not possess the degrees and academic accomplishments that they have. They believe their education makes them better suited than the common man or even than God himself to know what is best. So what are we to do when the truth is being assaulted and the world attempts to make us feel ignorant and threatens us in an attempt to make us compromise our beliefs? I think there are three options. We can fight back. We can compromise our beliefs to get along, or we can follow Christ's example of self-sacrificing love. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this third option. The story is told of Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa during his nation's struggle against apartheid. One day, dressed in clerical clothing, he was crossing a wooden walkway that was erected to allow people to cross over a muddy marsh. It was a narrow walkway with only room for one person to pass at a time. In the middle of the walkway, it is said he was confronted by a white man who said to the archbishop that he did not give way for ignorant apes. The archbishop 
stepped into the mud and said, I do, and let the man pass. Now, Archbishop Tutu had three choices. He could have stood his ground and entered into conflict with the man. He could abandon his belief that all men are created equal and simply retreated off of the walkway. Or he could step off into the mud in an example of self-sacrifice and then use the man's own words in challenging him to recognize the absurdity of his belief. What a Christ-like decision the Archbishop made. Today, we are called, like the man born blind, to be courageous in living and sharing our faith. As we live our lives in response to God's call, we will often be in conflict with the culture that surrounds us. We may even find ourselves being mocked or ridiculed even by those closest to us. Our answer is not to compromise our beliefs in order to get along, but it is also not to fight aggressively with those who would deny the truth. If we must suffer to stand our ground, then we suffer willingly, and we draw closer to our God in the process. Jesus' life and death revealed that it is not conflict that overcomes evil, it is self-sacrificing love. May we model this truth. The final lesson I think the story of the man born blind has for us is what we are to do if we desire to stay on the right path, to make sure our journey leads us from here to eternity. The last statement we have from and about the man born blind is, I do believe, and he worshiped him. God's call to worship is a radical, all-encompassing claim on our lives. It forces us to answer the question, to whom do you belong? To whom do you give your first love and loyalty? To worship means that all we are and all we have belongs to God. Today we have far too many distractions and amusements in our lives. We continue to seek after idle pursuits and vain distractions as our souls are being deadened to the spiritual sensibility that is necessary for a meaningful relationship with the Lord. We were created for one purpose and one purpose only, to know, to love, and to serve God in this life and to spend all of eternity with Him in the next. The reason why people are not convinced of the Christian way of life is because Christians don't look or act any different than non-Christians in our culture. If we want the world and our families and friends to take Christianity seriously, we must make radical changes in the way we live. We cannot allow ourselves to be absorbed in our work or in the distractions of this world so much that we regard our relationship with God as secondary in our life. The problem isn't that we don't love God, it's that sometimes we don't love God more than we love ourselves. The challenge is to listen to Christ, to take seriously His call, to stop working so hard for things that perish, and focus more on the things that endure for eternity. I'd like to thank all of you out there who with a commitment to the goal 
of finding the way from here to eternity and leading others on the journey. It is my hope that God will continue to bless you and your family, and it is my prayer that He grant all of us the mercy and forgiveness we so frequently need as we stumble along the way. Be sure to join us for the next presentation of From Here to Eternity. Until then, continue to glorify God by your life.